When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlinson. I'm joined by our Villa reporter, Ashley Priest. Ash, how are you, mate? I still have to pinch myself when I'm called Villa reporter. It's just mental. No, it's good. Still, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's so, so unreal. But yeah, all good, mate. Yeah, I moved on for the Man City now. It's just um, onto West Brom and chance to get back to winning ways, mate. So, yeah. Fingers crossed, yeah, we do that. Yeah, we'll talk about Albin a little bit. We'll have our uh, colleague, um, I forgot his name, I was calling James Chapman then, Joe Chapman in. Like, uh, if he's watching this already, he'll be fuming and won't join, but he'll be with us in the next 15 minutes or so. Uh, plenty to talk about. We'll uh, talk about Man City in a roundabout way when we talk about the European Super League for the hundredth time in a row, but got to mention it. Um, <laughs> Dean Smith's press conference first, though. That's happened today. Uh, you've got a chance to speak to the gaffer. So just... Uh, Give us a bit of insight on, on what you've seen from him today. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously the team, I'll start with the team news really, uh, that, that'll kick things off. The, mm-hmm. the biggest news come, to, come from that was Wesley. Wesley could make the squad, um, hold the front page. He, he could be back for, for Sunday. I, d- I didn't envisage that at all. I thought he'd be back May time, last couple of games at least. But Smith's going to have a look at him um, today, this afternoon, at the training right now and, and tomorrow as well. And he could make the bench on Sunday, which would be massive news, to be honest. Smith mentioned about the uh, the injury. It's the worst he's ever seen a player a player have in his. his I think he's been in well, football for thirty four years, so that tells its own story. Just how bad his knee ligaments were, and yeah, he's, he's tells a lot about his character as well. So yeah, be patient with Wes. I think hopefully see the best of him next season. He'll be eased back in before this season's out. So I'd love to see him on the bench on Sunday um, and get some minutes at the end, perhaps. But we'll see. But Positive news in that in that sense regarding Grealish. Yeah, no, that's not so positive, Dan. So he's set for another scan next week. So it, it appears to me they haven't got to the bottom of it fully. Mm-hmm. So he did, did, didn't want to put a time frame on it. So it's, it's so frustrating, isn't it? We all, we all want to see Jack back in action, back to his best, but that ain't, that ain't happening. Um, I think we spoke on the pod before about Everton away next week, perhaps being the pencil in return date. It's not looking likely now. John Percy at the Telegraph suggesting that he could be out for the next three games. So, yeah, issues there. We've all seen Grealish with Southgate in midweek chatting, um, chatting about his injury and whatnot. So, Dean was asked about that and is he going to be fit for the Euros? Make no mistake about it, he'll be fit for the Euros. Like, so, there's no, no issue there. So, yeah, um, I think they're protecting Jack for, for his England dream, perhaps. So, they're not going to rush him back. So, we'll make do without him again. Uh, another chance for people to shine. I thought an interesting line uh, I asked Smith on was uh, Ramadan. Obviously, Villa got a couple of Muslim players who are fasting at the moment. So, and these was fully respectful of that. Though, though those are Anwar Ghazi and Armin Al Mohammadi who, who could be coming in on Sunday. So, interesting one with the Ramadan, with them fasting throughout the day and how will it affect their energy level. So, yeah, some of Villa have to manage as well. Um, so yeah, team news. There's no sense on Wesley could be back. Jack's out, and Trezeguet's long term 
absentee, mate. So, so yeah. Let's talk about Wesley a little bit. There's a comment from James Garnett. We're live on Facebook this afternoon for those watching the podcast after the fact. He says, can we get Tammy back in the summer? And Tammy Abraham's a name that's going to do the rounds for the rest of the window and the rest of the season. Um, less about Tammy Abraham specifically. I want to go back to Wesley and his future. Obviously, you've got Ollie Watkins this season scoring 14 or 15 goals so far. Um, you'd expect Villa will sign a striker in the summer. So where does that leave Wesley? Because he's back... <laughs> say he's back ahead of schedule he's had 16 months out but we all thought it'd be a bit later than it is he's back ahead of schedule he should be fit for the start of next season absolute worst case scenario so he'll be back Watkins is back you expect Villa to sign a striker where does that leave Wesley first of all in the pecking order and and his long-term future um Wesley's a 22 million pound investment so unlucky with that injury because he scored at Burnley as well and he was just coming into a little bit of form I was really critical of him when he, when he first came in I expected a big mm. bloke I think expected to put himself about he didn't got a bit of flack from me and which was unfair I guess and in terms of next season's prospects I think it'll be giving a good crack in pre-season try and get him back up to speed get him the game time needed Smith mentioned about not not, not giving him the games because obviously the pandemic they can't organise friendlies as, as much so they've had to adapt and I think Villa will go with him. I think I think be Watkins, Wesley. I think they'll one more. I think Keenan Davis could benefit going for a season in the Championship to yeah, play week in, week out. I think he's a. I think he, Villa don't want to give up on Davis. I think he's a long term player who's, who's developed at Villa, and I think they look for that one, one more year in, in the Championship for him and playing regular because he hasn't done that ever. So I think Davis will depart in the summer um, to a Championship club, which are doing the world of good. I think Villa. If they've got aspirations of getting into Europe and pushing on big star, I think they'll Tammy Abraham, record breaking transfer. It won't be uh won't be dafting to that that happen. So I think Villa will get one more striker in. Ollie Watkins is, can play on the wing, don't forget he can play left, right. And um it gives me some more options for sure. So and obviously Wesley, I think he'll be eased back in more than more than the hopes rested on him. So I think a striker will be in, in January, yeah. I mean in the summer. If Villa do sign a striker like Tammy Abraham or they break their, their record on somebody, the ex-player for 40-odd million, where does that leave Ollie Watkins? After scoring 15-odd goals in the Premier League, do you yeah, push him out what, a 4-4-2? So? No, no. I think Watkins wants to play as your number nine. Um, Villa's record deal, a long-term investment, that one. Smith's been over the over the, over the the moon with him. Um, he's Villa's main man. But you need options, don't you? You need, you need a good squad to come in. When, when Atkin, I mean, Watkins has, has had a... Uh, dry spell in front of goal this season and he hasn't had the competition to really push him so I think competition's mm. healthy it's a good thing if Villa, Villa managed to bolster their squad because they need to another interesting point as well I, I made this week was about I mean, it's quite a sad time really the, the, the championship team that got up is disbanding now basically I think Almo's yeah. going to go Taylor's going to go Horahan's going to go Landry's already, already gone you got um and yeah, just just that, that squad, Callum choosing the squad, they're all going to go. So it's going to be a new era, I think, and um, an exciting one at that. I know the season's petering out, but listen, I think it's been a steady progress this season. I think they'll go Ammer and Tonga to in the summer, I, I believe. I, think I can really see that happening because the owners mean business, as you've seen by the accounts today. The, yeah. the backing, I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that and get you to unpick the accounts in a moment. Yeah, <laughs> Enjoy that task. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just lastly on the press, there was this photo that you sent me. Dean Smith in a West Bromwich Albion pub. Oh, yeah. They're the opponents this weekend, which we'll talk about soon. You asked Smith about this in the press. What's the story here, mate? <laughs> I just love his scar on his forehead. Um, <laughs> it's his battle wound from Latin Orient days. Yeah, I asked him about this. Um, that's his mate there, Dave Chapman. He used to run the, the Albion in Goldsmith Row. 
in Are East you London. To Joe? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> we'll ask him. <laughs> ask him. Uh, so yeah, Dean, Dean dropped by. I think Dean was at Leighton Orient at the time, and um, he used to take the Orient boys there as well for a few drinks. I think they went there after the, the lost lost in the playoff final as well. And so it's a it's a pub he used to fr- frequent and. I was asking him about his Albion roots as well, obviously Great Bar and that area of Great Bar in Hampstead and around and um, Gorse Farm and that, that's big Albion area. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he, Dean's uncle's uh, Reg, he's in a big Albion fan as well and just friendly banter, my best mate's an Albion fan. I think it's a it's healthy rivalry, Albion been good over the years and, and yeah, I just asked Dean, Dean about, his, about the West Brom rivalry and his family and good banter had and in the pub he used to go in, which is closed down now, the Red Admiral, it was half Villa and half Albion, so... Good crack, yeah. I think I think it's I think it's friendly banter between between the two clubs. I, I, I quite like Albion, so it's funny, funny you say that. I was going to ask you about the rivalry because this comment just come through from Ross. He says genuine dislike for the Albion, so I'm sure we'll be buzzing to hear from Joe Chapman <laughs> shortly. What do you think of the rivalry? Where do they rank in terms of the other Midland sides for for the ferocity between the two? Oh, look at look at them scenes in the Championship, that them playoff scenes, man. That was yeah. wicked, wasn't that? It was electric at Hawthorns and um, Villa Park was massive. I missed the Villa Park when I was in Stagdale in Dublin. And, um, I was watching it from there and Horahan burst the net. Dwight Gale sending off. Just, yeah, yeah, memorable games, to be honest. The FA Cup, is the FA Cup semi-final? Quarter-finals? Yeah, quarter-finals. Um, yeah, yeah, just, yeah good, good recent memories for sure. Um, and yeah, I'm from Great Bar, so I've got loads of Albion around me. And yeah, Sad to see him where they are, to be honest. I'd like to see him stay up, to be fair, but it's not looking that way. But I'm sure mm. we'll pick Joe's brains in a short while about Albion's downfall. But yeah, I've got a soft sock for him, probably because I'm surrounded by him, by me. But but yeah, yeah old Albion, I do like him. I won't go as far as saying a soft spot. There's some Albion in our family, <laughs> which we won't talk about that side. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, the Blues is the main one, isn't it? And Albion course, yeah, probably second Blues, note, I guess. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the accounts then. Some stuff come out from the accounts that I, this is, maths was never my strong point yeah. score, so this is not my area at all. It's not even really yours, but on this podcast specifically, there's no one else to talk about it. So what do these latest figures mean, mate? I haven't even got my GCC maths, but, but yeah, um, <laughs> I, need a lot, I needed to lie down after it. But listen, the main bottom line from it is a um, huge backing from Wes Edens and Nasser Suarez. Um, £126 million they pumped into Villa last season, which is, don't forget, it's a financial year, so it's going from promotion up until May last year, so just before Villa clinched survival. But yeah, I'll run through some of the accounts now for you. Um, 150 million was spent on 16 new signings, so that was the complete squad overhaul. You mm. like Wesley in there, Tyrone Mings was a big, big one at 20 million. Um, Bjorn Engels, Trezeguet, players like that. That was 150 million pounds spent. Villa had to pay almost 10 million as. Uh, a rebate to the to Sky and BT because of the, the three month suspension where well, where Premier League was suspended due to COVID. So that was a bit of a sucker punch, really. Um, elsewhere, season ticket holders thirty thousand at Villa Park. They, they, they were all refunded by Villa, which cost Villa about two 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 point seven million pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, wages for the for the for the twelve months was eighty six million pounds, which is only ten million pound up from what was it what was it in the Championship. So. That's, that tells its own story, Dan, saying Villa's wages in the Championship were too high, whereas they've gone to the Premier League. It's only been a, a short increase. So I think players like Trezeguet, Engels, they're not on big dollar. So you, you know what I mean? If you put that into context, that you're not going to expect Villa to be world beaters. And that was the case last season when 
and survive. So, and this season, I thought it was quite interesting because Villa mentioned their accounts for this season. They've, they've, they've spent 105 million on um, Watkins, Martinez, Cash, Traore, Sanson. And it did point at the Ross Barkley loan deal, perhaps being quite uh, hefty. I think at least mm-hmm. five million quid for him, just as a loan. So that was um, a bit of a big one, to be fair, if you take it all into account. But yeah, Villa remaining debt-free. That's the bottom line. In great hands at the ownership. Um, and given the week we've had, the European Super League owners totally out of, out of touch with their supporters and, and whatnot. I think Villa are doing just perfectly, really. I think I, I did a piece this week. Liverpool should look, look up to the likes of Villa and how they, how, how they do it. And in, in the accounts today, Christian Perslow mentioned about we're going to hold more fan fan consultation meetings. We're going to be speaking to fans regularly. There'll be more more dialogue, engagement, um, and that, that that's what you want, didn't you? You want you, yeah. you want to be involved. So, yeah, all, all positive news regarding the accounts. Apart from obviously, I think that they made a loss of ninety nine million pound, and with COVID, COVID was thirty six million pound deficit. So, but yeah, I think Nasef and uh, and Wes are just playing the money, and so. So yeah, and, and like I say, regarding transfers, and they'll, they'll want an improved finish next season, don't they? Yeah, it's funny how we can just kind of in football. It's so because everything's so extreme. Just, oh, I made a loss of ninety nine million, and we just move on to the next point. I know, it's bizarre, isn't it? Um, Joe Chapman is waiting in the wings to talk about Albion. I'm going to add him to the stream shortly and hope that he's present and not away in another tab. So, Joe, hey, welcome to the podcast. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm very well, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, Villa Albion this weekend. Um, Astro said there, it'd be nice for Albion to stay up and we'll ask you the question of whether you think the great escape might be on the cards or not <laughs> towards the end of this. Um, how are things for Albion? Took a couple of good results before the Leicester game and things are starting to look up, but still a massive, massive task, isn't it? Yeah, they had this elongated uh, international break because of the FA Cup uh, commitment. So they ended up having three weeks off after the Palace game, which is a real kick in the teeth because they were pretty pretty poor at Palace and uh, they needed a, a quick response. So they had to kind of sit on that. Um, and they just kind of exploded into life at Chelsea the other week. I know that Chelsea were down to 10 men, but they still were trailing at the time. And they still had to go and you know get themselves in front. Um, and, and they really, really just, I don't know, for whatever reason, they just sparked into gear in the final third and, they were struggling so much in front of goal and it was a real kind of a famine to a feast. And they they followed it up the week later against Southampton, who I thought were, were pretty poor, to be honest. They looked like their season's ending a bit early uh, and, and Albion took full advantage. They were, they were really, really kind of riding on the crest of a wave. I think where they really probably kind of fell down against Leicester was that they probably treated the game quite similarly in the way they set up. And um, Leicester are obviously a different proposition to Southampton. They're a much, much better side probably the best team I've seen play up in this season uh, for 90 minutes and uh, just a real kick in the teeth because they've, they've built up this momentum, as you say, and it was kind of maybe, you know, looking like it was going to be a bit of a kind of exciting crescendo to the season. Uh, and now all of a sudden that that pretty hefty defeat means that they've now got to win pretty much every game between now and the end of the season to really stand a chance. Um. Uh, what have you made of Albin, Ash? Any little bits and pieces you've seen of them? Well, last game I watched with Chelsea, why? And Callum Robinson was on playing like Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> Ronaldo. CR7, yeah. mate. Yeah, silly, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I think Aladosh has done, done, done quite well, to be honest. He's signed some high, high caliber players, a lot of that Turkish kid in midfield. Um, he's, he's done really well, and I think he's bought, he bought well in January, as best as he could, but 
yeah, it just fizzled out, hasn't it? They left themselves with too much to do, didn't they? After after Billich and I think, I think it, it was all destined to happen after the summer. They had they didn't really spend much in the summer. Um, and that was, you've got to spend money as Villa, Villa no Villa spent what 150 million last season and then he stayed up with the skin of the team so it's always going to be a, a tough job for Albion but yeah who knows coming into Sunday if Albion get a result there they could galvanise them again you don't know but game's running out but listen I think Villa, Villa haven't been on form of late they had a good 10 minutes overnight but other than that previously it's been quite flat there's no Grealish no spark in midfield or nothing so Villa there to be got at perhaps but Hopefully for me, I hopefully not, but we'll see. But, but I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be a nil-nil draw now. Said that, yeah. but we'll see. Is that a chuckle from you there, <laughs> Joe? Joe in there about Albion maybe nicking a result against Villa. Are you going into this with with no hope whatsoever? Um. Well, I take definitely Ash's point on board about them having a little bit of a kind of a, a rough patch in the last few weeks. I mean, it's going to be all down to I think how Sam sets them up really. I don't think he can go toe-to-toe the way they did. He, he tried to against Leicester because I think they'll get found out. He brought um, a Jai on at half-time last night, went to a back three at half-time. And I, the, I know the game was won for Leicester, but they really, you know, they were much, much more compact um, defensively. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Albion go to a back three. Uh, other than that, they, they've been going 4-2-3-1 recently. Other than that, he might drop Robinson or Phillips and... Um, and bring Conor Gallagher back in and, and just get the extra man in midfield. So I thought they were a bit overrun. Wary that Villa were going to play like a kind of a... Obviously, they've got the three in midfield. I know they all kind of interchange. So it'll be about it'll be about winning that battle, I think, in the midfield. And then it'll be a case of um, who does the business at the other end of the field, at each end of the pitch. What do you think in terms of the midfield then, Ash? Because I know I've, I didn't get to see much of the game the other night, but in terms of... You know, I've said a lot of criticism for Barkley, and I, I, I'm just curious as to know what you think in terms of his selection because the other two seem like obvious picks. But does he go Nakamba, Ramsey? Does he stay with Barkley? Yeah, interesting one. Yeah, I mean, the midfield for me has been been a bit suspect in recent weeks, to be honest, Joe. And Villa's game plan the other night was Tyra Mings out your feet and just clip the channel. I think they've been doing that quite quite a lot, to be fair. Smith made a point of Ollie Watkins being the best best runner in behind in the Premier League. Um, the other night, and that's what Villa have been looking to do: just clipping channels and second balls. And McGinn, McGinn's playing higher up now, so hopefully he can, he can carry on. Then he scored his second goal of the season the other night, and he's been kicking himself for his, his form in front of goal this season. But he's been playing deeper. But yeah, intriguing point you make there about Villa's midfield. Obviously, they've had to shore it up in recent weeks, given they're playing Liverpool and Man City. Hence Nakamba coming back in. But but yeah, I think looking at it, I think I think Jacob Ramsey probably comes into it now. I think Ross Barkley's out the fold. Um, it's just sapped to confidence. Joe Barkley just gone completely, and shame for him. Really, I don't, I don't like to kick a bloke when he's down because obviously he's having his problems himself at the moment. But he's not going to get a look in. I think it'd be Ramsey. He'll probably come back into midfield. He played as an, orth- an orthodox left winger, but we could bring in Al Ghazi back in. He likes scoring against the Albion, you know. Um, <laughs> after his, his exploits over Christmas, but yeah, I think there's options there to be had. If, if you're going to press me on a selection, I'd probably say um, Nakamba comes back out and I think um, Al Ghazi probably c- comes in uh, and Ramsey slots into the midfield, give Villa a bit more energy. I think Douglas Louise will be the holder. I think McGinn and Ramsey will go for it and it'll be um, Al Ghazi and Troy around the wings and Watkins up front. Yeah, Not much option there. I know Villa squad isn't up to it too much. No star quality. 
me that greatly. So, yeah, I, who knows, man? I'm not going into it fully confident. No, to say that. Yeah, I feel like Albie might nick something here, to be honest. Cash is out as well. What about right back? Is right right back a problem? I was going to say, you know, where where you go. Again, I've only been kind of following it from afar. But, I mean, I've seen a few guys saying there's a a young lad that that should get a look in over Al-Mahamadi, who who for me is the obvious choice. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something in the area right back. Gilbert got sent off the other day as well. Hothead, man. And Cash the other night was just lost his head completely. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, I think it'd be Almo. Um, he's fasting at the moment as well, so would, would that play into his energy levels? I don't know. That There's a young lad, Kane Kester, coming through the ranks. He looks the real deal. People people at Bodymore have said he's ready. He's ready to come up. But yeah, he, he had a knock last week against that, uh, on Monday against Albion's under-18s, that crazy 10-goal t- thriller. Um, he, he, he came mm-hmm. off. And Villa have got a, an important FAU quarter-final next week, so whether Kessler comes in, I'm not quite sure, but I think it'll be Almo, mate. Yeah, Almo, experienced head, yeah. been around the block. I think Villa, Villa can trust him. I think he's been, been really good boy at one million quid back in 2017. And an old your head, you need you need them in these these derbies, as it were. Mm. Obviously, there's no yeah. no great FA Youth Cup on the, on the subject of FA Youth Cup. The, the, yeah. uh, that could be an interesting game later down the line if Albion and Villa both get through. Is it semi final of the meet, or they've got to have a draw after if they both get through? I think it's a draw, isn't it? I, I, yeah. I think, without double-checking, I know Albion have got Everton next week, so um, they just beat Spurs 5-0. Right? So yeah. yeah, so um, what about Villa with Villa playing? Newcastle away, that's on Tuesday. So, yeah, a, a lot of effort's gone into that this season for Albion and Villa as well. So it's been fun mm. to watch as reporters. Uh, I'm liking the development at Villa and it's a mad game the other day, like you say, 10 goals in that on Monday. Yeah. Crazy. So, yeah, hopefully the two clubs go through and that, that should make for a, a decent affair. Obviously, there's no no Grealish, and he's the obvious danger man, Joe. But when you look at that that Villa side, who who are you scared of? Who are you most concerned about? That's going to cause you the most problems. Um, well, I mean, really going, but I've seen Villa in patches this season, and they've been very very good a number of occasions, especially early in the season. Go back to the reverse fixture at the Hawthorns. The one that really stood out for me was Bertrand Traore, who uh, up till that point I got the feelings from from kind of Villa Journos from Ash as well but that was probably his best performance in the Villa shirt up until then I don't really know how he's fared since then it feels like he might have been a bit inconsistent still in the meantime but that night there was a lot of occasions where Albin really couldn't get near him uh, and he scored obviously a, a wonderful goal uh, so I'll be very very wary of him I think you know he's somebody that could really switch it on I don't think he's lightning quick but he's got great feet and you know he's got a really really good left foot so I'd be quite concerned by him in terms of Dealing with that that threat on that side of the uh, the, the pitch, Watkins speaks for himself. I think um, again, we saw that if Albion line up in a certain way, then Watkins could get a bit of joy because Vardy, with his pace on Thursday night, um, caused some problems. And I know they have a, quite an interesting setup at Leicester, really, because not many teams will play with just a, a front two these days. It's quite unusual. So between Vardy and Ianacho, Albion just couldn't really live with them. Uh, and Madison kind of pulling the strings in behind. Uh, so I think they would be the two that I'd pick in terms of the, the players that are available. I, I know that Elgar is somebody that loves scoring against uh, Albion and really speaks for himself. So um, I think they'd be they'd be the picks for me. On the flip side of that, Ash, I know they've only got 24 points this year, but anyone from Albion that you're concerned about? I just got a feeling Callum Robinson's going to score. Um, mm. I think he'll come back to Haunt Villa. He's, yeah, I've seen him at Chelsea the other week. He looked really good. But yeah, I like, like you could slew midfield. I think he could dictate the play and frustrate Villa in the, in the central midfield area. But, but yeah, it depends how 
depends which Albion turn up. Will it, will it be the one that, that went, at, went at it against Chelsea and scored for fun? Or will it be the one that, that caved in last night? Who knows? But yeah, Callum Robinson, intrigued to see how he gets on. I'm right in saying that um, Sam Allardyce is from around the Midlands, isn't he? Is it Dudley? He's Dudley, lad. Dudley lad, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so he got he's, two... got, he's got Bulls connotations growing up. He, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I thought, yeah. He, he addressed those in his unveiling back in December before we played Villa. And um, yeah, he said uh, kind of, well, I used to go and watch the Albion as well when I was a young lad. <laughs> Mix it up. It's not, I, know, I know obviously he's not He's not Albion, and, and but he's still he's still Midlands, isn't he? Is it nice to see two kind of local managers with their, not their local size, but you know, do you know what I mean? It's nice to I see so, yeah. managers. Yeah, I think so. Dee Smith's born in West Brom, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so they're both, I mean, really, really local lads in in terms of this this particular game. Um, mm. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think you know, I don't. What, Dean Smith now is he in his late forties, early fifties? Fifty. So they are like kind of probably different ends of their managerial uh, careers. But yeah, it is. I, I mean, going forwards, whether Sam's in charge next season, I think remains to be seen. I think he's. Up until last night, he put a pretty convincing case forward. So um, mm. we'll see. Big summer ahead. We're gonna, we've got this European Super League survey thing. Almost the state of football, I suppose, is the the narrative now. Uh, now that we know it's cancelled, that we'll we'll talk about it as a three. You might as well get your opinion, Joe, while you're here. Just on Albion, though, before we move on from this game, do you think you'll do it? Is it nine points or something from safety? Do you think think it's possible? I think it, it was such a gut wrenching one last night. I think if we'd have um, at Leicester, were obviously full value, they were terrific and. They, they fully deserve to win. I think if we'd have left last night with a point, I don't really think much of Burnley. I think Burnley are the kind of team that I know people will say, well, Dice will get results. But, you know, you look this weekend, if we'd have got a point last night, I'd have really fancied us to go and beat Villa. Um, we've got Wolves next week. But it's tough running, really. We've got some games against teams that still got plenty to play for, West Ham and Leeds and, and Liverpool. So, um um, it's going to be it's going to be really really hard from now. I, I'm I'm struggling to see where they get enough points to be honest, where the, where the wins are going to come from. But I think for me, I've got to just I'd prioritise brag, bragging rights over kind of relegation scrap points now. For me, if they can win the next two and then lose the last four, it can go down. You know, <laughs> having taken these points, you know, um, then I think that'll be something a little bit of a cushion for the fans. Do you think? Do you think that's it, the the risk this weekend, Ash? That because Villa haven't really got anything to play for, this could be one they you know a bit of a banana skin. Definitely, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Dean Smith won't want that instilled into his players. But on the day, yeah, I think Villa have been a bit lackadaisical over the last few performances, and Albion are fighting for the lives. And yeah, I think Albion start quickly. Villa could go into the shell, and who knows? But yeah, Villa's season petering out. They're eleventh now. They're not risking Grealish or anything like that. So yeah, Villa definitely need to win, don't they? I think they're seventeenth in the form table. So I mean, so it's that's after 10, ga- 10 games, so bad reading. So, really need to get back to winning ways. But Albion, yet dangerous animal, fighting for their lives, and we'll see Sunday. Let's talk about the, the future of football then and try and wrap up in the next five, ten minutes or so. If you follow any of us on social media or any of the articles that the guys have written, well, I'll put it in the YouTube video as well. You'll have seen this survey over the last few days, our clubs, our future. So we'll quickly rattle through it. Do you think the clubs involved in the ESL scandal should be punished? What do you two think? And how do you punish them? Well, the 14 clubs have come together and saying, we want them punished because it's going to happen again otherwise. It'll happen every season. Um, mm. For me, just just the, the old, how, how sneaky it all was beyond, beyond 
backs of, of players, managers, and they had to front up and they've been they've been criticised. You've seen the, the Liverpool team bus on the way to on the way to Leeds. That was unfair, to be honest, and yeah, and whatnot. So it's all the it's all the ownership, isn't it? It's the, it's the execs who, who should be put to blame. I think they should resign. Look at Ed Woodward; he's, he's gone. I think I think it should be called for a more to go. To be fair, but for me, punishment. What do you say? I'd say a three year transfer ban, something like that. Really, really, really hammer it home. Because they need to be punished. I don't think a points, a dock, docking points is going to be hurting too much at all. That they can win enough games to go again. And again, I think they'll probably qualify for Europe regardless. But, but yeah, for me, it'd be a transfer ban. I'd, I'd transfer ban them. Um, I think that really hurt them. I don't know what, what Joe do thinks. Think, I think that's a really good shout, actually. I'd transfer ban. I think if you got if you got told that if you're Man City or Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, and you've got to stick with the same side for the next two, three years, then inevitably, maybe. Maybe not significantly, but there'll be little baby steps made by the other teams to maybe kind of close the gap that's huge between yep. them at the minute. You know, you imagine what Leicester could do in three years if they yep. have like, you know, free reign in the transfer window at Villa as well. Um, Leeds, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think financially you'd need to absolutely hammer them. Like, there'd need to be millions and millions in, in, in um, sanctions if you were to actually really properly make a dent in what they're kind of their, their finances are like. Mm-hmm. The docking of points, I saw a, 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 an Albion fan um, put a video out the other day and I couldn't agree more with him. You know, there's fans saying, well, it's not the players and the manager's fault. But mm-hmm. it wasn't the managers and players fault with Luton or Bournemouth or Blues or, you know, yeah. they still got dock points. So it, it kind of, it, you know, you are you are um, punishing the actions of the owner who unfortunately affects everything. Mm. Yeah, I think me and Matt spoke about it after Man City. When when clubs are spending 40, 50 million on right backs and goalkeepers that don't even play, hitting them with a 60, 70 million fines, they would be like, oh, that's a couple of players that that's that's fine. I think points deduction is what I'll go yeah. for. But I think it'd have to be a serious number. If it's 12 points, I said, I think I said the other day, if you take 12 points off Man City, they still win the league, don't they? So you're looking at 20 points, maybe. Then you think oh, twenty points that season—that is quite a lot. But then, if that's to stop people doing <laughs> things like this in the future, that's yeah. the, the measures you have to go to. It, it um, might relegate Arsenal. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely relegate you at the moment. <laughs> um, how do you feel about the suspension of the European Super League? Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Delighted, relieved. Yeah, uh, delighted. Obviously, um, I thought Dean Smith was really good last week when he spoke about it as well. And yeah, I think nipped in the bud now, hopefully, and, and needs to be punished, but. Yeah, Deloitte is Albion Villa with the Football League founders, man, and they went behind our backs yeah. and tried to take it away from us. And it wasn't on, so I'm over the moon with it. Yeah, I'm relieved as well. I mean, you're right, though. I, I didn't like the, the kind of stance from UEFA that it was almost like they should be admired and praised for yeah. you turning. I thought that was nonsensical. Like, you know, you, the idea that you just welcomed them back into the fold with a bit of a hug. Just that yeah. wasn't for me. So he's more relief than delight. I kind of say I won't be over the yeah. moon in terms of you know them thinking about also all, all of a sudden. So I just don't believe that's the case. Yeah, I think the the easier answer to that is what what happens in a couple of years' time as well. Because this is I feel like it's inevitable that this kind of conversation comes back in a couple of seasons' time. We're, yeah. we're back at square one, so it yeah. has to be the end of this kind of thing for me to be delighted about it. Um, who do you think was most at fault? We've got Perez and Agnelli, owners of the Premier League clubs, UEFA, all of the above is the options on our server. I think it's the owners of the Premier League club, isn't it? Greedy? Do you reckon, Joe? Yeah, I think I think the owners, I mean, we are talking handful. And and they are, they were, they were threatening to change the landscape of English football, but there was only about mm. six or seven, eight people here 
you know, you've got the Glazers, you've got Levy, Kronka, Abramovich. These are guys you don't hear from, from one mm. year to the next, ever. Like, has anybody ever actually heard Abramovich speak um, <laughs> in the whole 15, 16 years he's been in England? So, yeah, I mean, the idea that they could just sign up for this and just have no consequences to pay is just laughable. Anything to add, Ash? Nah, like you say, yeah. I mean, we never hear from him, do we, to be fair. Um, there's no transparency at all. It's just the supporters are outside for, to be fair. And Yeah, um, I think it's the owners for me. They need to be sanctioned. And I'd like to see him banned, or like get got rid of and walk like Ed Woodard has. So, so yeah. that needs to happen. But whether it does, I'm not sure. I like the story. I don't know who, who it was and where it came from or whether it was even true. But they said that one of the guys involved in the Super League has been to games before and had to ask what colour their team played in. I don't know who that would be. It's it wouldn't be Abramovich because he's been to Chelsea games a lot. Um, I'd love to take a guess who that is, but can you imagine that? That's the kind of people that are involved in making decisions that affect the future of football. It's unreal. Um, next question, very quickly. With with zero being not at all and 10 being extremely, how optimistic do you feel about the future of football now the European Super League is no more? It's a difficult question, I think. Tough question, yeah. Because again, if it comes back in a couple of years' time, we're, we're back to this conversation again. I think this is important now, the next kind of few weeks, months or whatever, down the line in determining what the punishments would be. Mm. You know, if, if if the Premier League and the FA come out now and say anybody threatens to do this again, you will face an immediate expulsion from the from the league. I think they'd all feel very, very quickly kind of, you know, rather sheepish about the idea of, of, of trying their luck again. Um, there's a couple more I'm just aware of time so we're going to fly through these if we can what's the main issue threatening the sustainability of football do you think there's a few options there that we've put in this survey ticket prices no football on TV how the money's distributed what's the biggest issue with football going forward just the fact there's too much money too much greed yeah lack of ownership accountability for me I'll take that one straight away um, the high behind the clubs I mean all the CEOs did the running around for them um, yeah they need to front it up more and speak with fans more and be a bit more engaging and you know what I mean increase that dialogue and they don't do that so yes they play the money in but to go beyond the backs like they have done it's just totally wrong yeah the, for me the the interesting one there is is how the money's distributed I think there's a lot of it we all know how much te- television rights plow into uh, television companies plow money into the game but if you've got clubs like this doing what they were threatening to do in the same 12 months that Berry Football Club have gone out of business yeah. and there are only two or three divisions below um, and it would have taken probably the spare change in one of these owners' back pockets to save Berry. then there's a serious problem there, isn't there? And I know I get the point that, you know, Tesco wouldn't save a corner shop or that kind of thing, but yeah. hmm. it's, 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 before, it's before the money even gets to the owners, if you know what I mean. It's, um, it's how it's distributed properly. Um, I'll skip the next question because it's basically the same. Do you support the concept of fan ownership models? There's been a lot of talk about this in the last few days, about the 50 plus one uh, model that Germany have, with kind of fans owning the, the vast majority of the shares. Or Again, I'm not clever enough to do these podcasts, to be honest. Um, Joe, do you know anything about the German model, Ash? Don't know. Not really. <laughs> not, only, only that they were intelligent enough to ignore this uh, this Super League idea. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting, wasn't it? There are one or two, there are one or two clubs in the in the British footballing pyramid that that have got you know big say when it comes to when it comes to fan ownership. But um, 
don't know. It depends on the, the credibility of the of the people, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, is it a, is it a select group of fans? In which case, they've got you know that they're going to have the the club's uh, best interests at heart. Then I'll be all for it. And then I've took it off the screen now. But the last question was: Who needs to do more basically to to protect football in future? Which governing body, FA, Premier League, UEFA, etc. Feels like the Premier League it, to me. I said to Matt the other day, well, the part of it I can't quite get my head around is that you've got these six clubs that are part of the Premier League and they can just bypass the Premier League and say, oh, we don't want to play with you anymore. We want to do our own thing. Surely yeah. that conversation has to go to the top of the Premier League first. I don't know how they can go around that. That surely means the Premier League isn't strong enough. The nerve of them for me was to say, well, we'll play the Super League, but we're going to carry on playing in the Premier League. Yeah. And you knew full well that if they've got Real Madrid on a Wednesday night, they're going to send their B team out on the Saturday against an Albion or a Villa. Where's yeah. the integrity there? <laughs> yeah. Disappeared. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a strange one. It's a strange conversation. I urge anyone watching this podcast, either live on Facebook or, or on the Clark Blue podcast, to go and fill in that survey. The data is very useful. There's been thousands of thousands of people getting involved, so definitely want to check out. Um, Joe, thanks very much for joining us on our, our podcast this afternoon. Hopefully the comments don't be too harsh on you as an Albion fan. But yeah. <laughs> just don't read them, Joe. Just don't read them, mate. Just don't read I'll them. I'll revisit on Monday morning, don't worry. <laughs> they're, they're, harsh on, they're harsh on us sometimes anyway, so don't, don't take it to heart. Uh, Ash, thank you very much for joining me as always. And, Good to see uh, you, lads. We'll chat again on Sunday after yep. a massive Villa win. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the Villa. Up the Villa.